0: ESNY. All right. So, uh, we you, you have a good holiday weekend?
1: Great holiday weekend, you know. Um, got away for a couple days. Went to Connecticut, in law's place, swimming. I've uh, okay. run through for our, our wedding. It's getting close. We're getting we're getting married at the end of September.
0: How you feeling? You getting nervous? I
1: feeling good. No, no. It's been it's been a very smooth ride so far. Um we we I we got engaged in October of 2020, so we um. kind of knew that we were going to have a, a long engagement to start um and so like I the people who have gotten married like engaged in like 2021 and have had like a normal timeline, you know, with, with COVID and everything. I, yeah. God bless them. I can't imagine pulling it all together in you know, 11 months.
0: Yeah. You got a, uh, you got engaged during COVID. We found out we were pregnant March 1st, 2020.
1: That's so, tough. I mean, at least we like October, 2020, like we were into it, you know, like it, it kind of calmed down, but March 1st, 2020, that, that is rough because I, I certainly remember, uh, you know, reporting at the big mm-hmm. 10 wrestling t- championships on like what like March 7th or 8th 2020 and like, yeah. honest, like oh this is this is not just gonna go away
0: yeah and uh hi folks with that uh, it is now Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast episode number 135 the big 135 and uh in case you did not recognize the voice with me this week that's because Alex is on vacation he's in Ireland for the next couple of weeks and then he's moving when he gets back so this week we have ESNY's managing editor my boss uh, say hi to James Cratch Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Josh. Glad to be
0: here. All right. So before, before I get kicked off into what's actually happening in Yankee land, you had a very unique experience last night. You live in New Jersey. You got to go to the mm-hmm. Somerset Patriots
1: and you watched Anthony Volpe live. How was that? You know, it's really kind of strange. Um, it sort of reminded me of like a high school game in, in this sense. Mm-hmm. When you saw Anthony Volpe out on the field, you could kind of tell like, oh, like, that guy is different from a lot of the other guys out there, which is not something usually the reason why I say is like, when you go to a high school game and there's like a big star prospect, you can kind of tell he's different. And, you know, the best way I can compare it is you you don't really see it much at the college level, the professional level. Uh, And when you do, it's like, you know, you go to a Rangers Penguins game and Sidney Crosby is fully healthy out there. You can tell he's different than everyone else. Volpe just, he didn't do much. Even when I was there, I, I have to admit, we, We took the dog, bark in the park. We were not there for the full nine-inning haul. Um, (laughs) But he just looked different from the other guys out there. You could just tell he had it. So I think that's a good thing for the Yankees moving forward.
0: And he looks pretty confident out in the field and everything?
1: Confident, you know, and, you know, bats lead off. You know, obviously he is, being a kid who's from right around the corner in Hung, he is – this star attraction every night if they're there so i think that also is something unique probably for a minor league. Or there's so much attention paid to him you know there, there are people wearing volpe shirts jerseys in the crowd you know how many times do you get that at a double a level now i think austin wells being there might kind of take a little bit of that attention right. off of him now but it's definitely a pressure cooker situation for the young man
0: it's just so great to see because he's from Wachong, like you said, played his high school ball at Del Barton, which has been a baseball factory for several years right now. Yeah. And so assuming that the front office decides they like him better than Oswald Peraza, he shows up to the Bronx. The fan base is already built in. The Yankees, oh yeah. We haven't had that in a very long time. Not, not in, not in our lifetime. I don't think so. I am. No,
1: it's, it's going to be in, tr- it's going to be, intriguing and special to kind of see if, if everything works out you know if if he's there I mean when he gets to Scranton at whatever point like yeah you have to think that's gonna be a short stay like there's gonna be such immense you know pressure to bring him up but yeah, yeah it's gonna be very interesting to kind of see you know it's, it's kind of weird for the Yankees to have like a 100% homegrown yeah. you know future star especially being a guy that grew up right down the road
0: Yeah, and then you mentioned Austin Wells, soon Jason Dominguez is going to be on the horizon, Luis Medina, hopefully Clark Schmick gets a shot in the rotation soon. The Yankees have a lot of depth both currently and down on the farm, but let's shift the the topic to the team as it is right now. Still the best record in baseball. We're recording this on Thursday night, the first night of the four-game Red Sox series at Fenway, fresh off a 16-zip defeat in Pittsburgh. James, how are we feeling going into the series compared to opening day?
1: Uh, better, I think the Yankees are way better than I thought they were going to be. I thought they'd be a good team. I didn't think they were going to be at the pace they're currently at. You know, right. as of now, still at the 116 game pace. But I have to admit, like I kind of look at this team and, and I've kind of tried to gut my ch- check myself and wonder if they were in any other city, American League city, would Yankee fans be looking at them and being like, "Oh, this is the 2001 Mariners all over again." You know, in terms of the yeah. fact that. They're not hit, you know, the offense, you know, is great, but they they rack up runs a lot of time, like they did against Pittsburgh. You know, they do struggle. They've been shut out, I think, six times. I think the 98 Yankees were shut out five times in total. Yep. No hitter, everything. And then the pitching, the starting pitching has been kind of, you know, struggling of late. It has not been as good as it has been. So I don't don't sit there and think to myself, we're watching an all-time great team. Some of the numbers certainly suggest that. Uh, But I do think that, you know, Splitting, and I think it's, it was good for them that they they won the second game in Pittsburgh because people really would have padded, even though the Pirates are not as bad as they have. Been. They're
0: really not. I mean, just just watching. Forget O'Neill Cruz. Just watching Jack Sawinski That's enough to get. Watching him alone yeah. is enough to get you excited for Pittsburgh.
1: No, yeah, he's uh, you know it's it's kind of a you know like a twenty years. Hopefully, they don't have to wait like twenty something years for the next good cycle to come, but. You Yo.
0: probably noticed this too, just with this year featuring expanded playoffs for the first time. Like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about the new setup until I actually see it happen in real time, mm-hmm. but I will say this much, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, league-wide and the Baltimore Orioles, the hardest playing last place team in baseball, as far as I'm concerned, they're a perfect example of this. Because of the expanded playoffs, almost every single team is trying this year. Yes, like there's a shot it's like okay like it's, it's not like the previous years where all right there's three division winners two people in the wild card game all right we got to tank and hope for a better draft pick, and let's focus on player development but now you mm-hmm. have teams like the Orioles who they keep playing the way they do they might be able to steal a, a playoff spot the NL Central with the Pirates they could do the same thing too it's it's great for baseball across the board and really exciting
1: for baseball fans too I, I agree like I I've I'm okay with the expanded postseason. At first, I was like, that's that's too many teams. I like the fact that you said it keeps everyone involved. You know, What I'm really yeah. intrigued to see is I think the Orioles are five games under right now as we're taping this. If they get closer a couple weeks from now, if they're still – maybe they gain a little ground. Maybe they're two or three under 500. they They're like – does a team like the Orioles make a move at the deadline and try to go for it? Because I, I remember this – I forget which year it was. You'll probably – remember years ago where, where the Expos were kind of a surprise team and they were able to yeah. trade for Cliff Floyd, completely fall out of the race in like 10 days and then flip Cliff Floyd elsewhere? I wonder yeah. if a team like the Orioles could make a move like that. Like they make a move in the next couple of days to try to see if they can figure things out or definitely be in the race by the deadline. If they're not, maybe then they start selling.
0: I'd imagine that the Angeles brothers and um, Mike Elias, their president of baseball ops, I have a feeling they'll probably be prioritizing an arm just because pitching yeah. the, name of the game, I mean, they, the whole reason they moved back that left field wall was to attract free agency pitching. Cause you look at their prospects, James, they got Grace Rodriguez, who's maybe one to two years away. And he's <laughs> also currently injured. They got DL hall who, okay. Yeah, you can throw, but he probably grades that more as a high leverage lefty reliever they don't have a lot of good pitching prospects ready to go in the next couple of years. So if they're yep. gonna if they're gonna uh, maybe pawn off some of those prospects and try to get uh, I don't know maybe an expiring arm or maybe find someone who needs to be paid soon but has a couple of years of left the team control mm-hmm. uh, the ability to play spoiler is there. But I also want to tack on uh, to something you said about the 1998 team. For all the comparisons these Yankees get to the 98 Yankees, they're not the 98 Yankees. And here's what. No. The 98 Yankees were two years removed from winning a World Series. They added to what was already a very strong core, had probably a fluky loss in 1997's ALDS, could have been a World Series hangover. But they added minimal pieces, and, uh, and so a core that was already there. Lots of these Yankees this year, uh, Mr. James Cratch, they are playing together for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Like Josh Donaldson wasn't here last year. Isaiah kind of last. wasn't here last year. Aaron Hicks was hurt all last year, and he's only just rediscovering himself. And then when you hear about this players-only meeting that happened in Aaron Boone's office between maybe 10 to 12 guys, and then just from that meeting, everyone's engaged, everyone cares, everyone's gotten on the same page, you love to see it, every second of it.
1: You know, it's a very likable team, which is something I think the Yankees have struggled in the past, even when they were winning, of having a terribly likable team, you know, especially some of those years post 01 to, you know, maybe I think 09, you know, some of those years with Gary Sheffield year, you know, like we're not exactly the best teams to watch, most enjoyable baseball. baseball.
0: It was like a fantasy draft all those years. But either way, we're less than a month from the trade deadline. Do you see this team making any moves in the next few weeks?
1: I think they have to. I think they'll make a move. I I don't know if they're going to make a big move. I mean, what's out? I mean, it's such a seller's market with these, you know, bet attendee. And, you know, are they going to really give up so much for that? I think they should try to add a starting pitcher just because I think that between health and some of the fading we've seen, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have another arm out there. But my guess is that they, they make a move, but they don't make a big blockbuster move. I think you're going to see the other team in town. They're the ones who are going to make the big splash. Absolutely.
0: I, I can see the Yankees trading, I hate to say it, Jamison Tyone, if only because he's an expiring contract and he's putting himself in a position to command more than $20 mm-hmm. million a year next season. Uh, you don't want to trade Garrett Cole's best friend and someone who's completely reinvented himself since – uh, all star break last year, but you, got, you can't keep Clark Schmidt waiting forever. You just can't. JPC yeah. is a proven he can start. Similarly, we've talked about Joey Gallo and how he is just not good. I mean, Alec <laughs> Alec went on a rant all last week about how terrible he is, and that not say I agree with him. Uh, they're not going to DFA him just because that's not how they roll. They're no not gonna the money. They're not going to release him. I said to Alec last week, if you can trade Joey Gallo for a couple of low level minors relievers and just be rid of him, that's good enough for me.
1: Oh, I did not even that. I mean, cash consider. I mean, that's to me, like, the thing that on one hand, the issue with Joey Gallo is that I don't look, I don't think he's like Sonny Gray, where like there was a reasonable expectation for a team that was trying, the Yankees trying to trade Sonny Gray to expect, okay, we get this guy to New York, we get him Mm -hmm. here. He's gonna find and look. This, I think his his first year with the Reds, he was an All Star. Like he found himself, he performed better. You know, not great, but he was better once he left New York. I mean, Joey Gallo is not gonna hit the baseball in, in any city. You know, yeah. So it's not like a team like the Phillies. I know he's been mentioning and say, okay, we're gonna bring. First off, you know, you think New York's tough. I mean, they'll they're much tougher in Philadelphia. I've always meaner said that. In Philadelphia. They're much meaner. So. You know, and even, like, now, like, look, I mean, I don't know if the Yankees ever do his division, but, like, if if there was some idea that he would hit, like, he'd be great for a team like Baltimore, you know? A team like, like,
0: You put Joey Gallo... Yeah, Pittsburgh would be a great spot for him. You put Joey Gallo on a team where there's little to nothing riding on the line where you can just get out there and do his thing, that's a great setting for him. My problem more with Joey Gallo is that he just says, oh, well, this is just the kind of hitter I am. Whereas Paul O'Neill says, no, that's a load of crap. He can make adjustments. He's just refusing to. Yeah.
1: No, I agree. Like that to me, like, like I, he did, I did NJ.com. uh NJ.com. He did another interview and like, you know, he, he sounds good, but at the same time, it's like, really? Like you can't just put the ball in play. And it, it's almost like he's blaming his attempts to put the ball in play more for the strike. It, it's, it's very weird. And, and, you know, he made it kind like he's two, you know, two weeks away from having a good season. I was like, well, that, what do what those two weeks come, you know?
0: I mean, the fact that at, when he was with the Rangers, and I think this is from a piece from Lindsey Adler in The Athletic, apparently the Rangers stopped putting batting average up on the yes. scoreboard and started putting OPS just to sort of, like, like boost his confidence.
1: It's incredible. I mean, but, it, yeah. but then again, like, I have thought, you know, like, Look, it, all the criticism that goes his way is deserved. Yeah. That said, there's no way this guy is going to be on a postseason roster. You would Absolutely think. not. So is this just all like, you know, it is what it is? Like, you're right. They, they should DFA him. They should trade him for a bag of balls. They're, you know, they're not going to do that. Are they just basically going to, you know, the save face? They're just going to ride him out for the rest of the mm-hmm. season and then have him nowhere near a postseason roster. Then he walks in the and, and, winter and it's all over with i mean yeah but i i ran the numbers like with Stathead. there's like he would be the worst player on a world series team by far in the history of the sport i mean there's no comparison
0: yeah i mean like unless he was being used as a late innings defensive replacement which okay fine he's got two gold gloves if you want to use him in that capacity that's totally fine just don't make him an everyday player in the lineup like especially not in the postseason but you mentioned him uh him walking in the off season, that seems like the perfect way to end to to the headlining segment of the show today. Aaron judge hit his 30th home run yesterday. We all know he's going to test the market in free agency. I, I hate to say it. The Yankees, I don't want to say they're going to have to overpay him, but that offer that they gave him at the beginning of the year, that's just not going to
1: apply anymore. Like, no, no, it's not. I mean, now look, we're taping this. He's not playing on Thursday night. You know, it seems like it's load management. Yep does this become something? Cause I mean, you know, with Stanton was load managing for a day or two and then he was on, now, he was fine. It was quick, but like, then he was on the IL, you know, that's a big key. You know, it is July 7th. You know, he's still got to stay healthy, which I think is a big thing. No, that, that contract, it's so weird. Cause like, I feel like I don't think the Yankees did anything wrong in the run up to the season. I thought the offer they made him was the reasonable offer. Maybe they could have gone a little bit higher, but it, look, I, Hey, I wrote on opening day they should they should try to trade him. Obviously, I don't think they're going to do that. That probably was a little bit strong, uh, but I still think the the basics of the situation remain the same. You know, they made a fair offer for what he was on opening day. Now, you know, they're not having that situation, so they're going to have to up the offer. I don't know. Like I know A-Rod said 50-50, and that scared people. I I tend to think it's got to be 75-25, if not greater odds. He returns to the Yankees, but who knows? Yeah,
0: Yeah, because he's about – he's 30 years old right now, last I checked. And he's saying, oh, I want Mike Trout money. Okay, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball by a wide margin because he's a pure five-tool player. Aaron Judge, while a great player, he's – he has five-tool potential, but his age really works against him here and also the injury history. Now, this all being said, I kind of agree with you. I do think it's 75-25. I think that this is very much going to be a Bernie Williams situation where, okay, he tests the market, and then uh, you had something to say about this as well, where he sees, oh, the Yankees offers the best I'm going to get because, like you and I discussed earlier, Shohei Otani and Juan Soto are hitting the market very soon.
1: Yeah, I think he, you know, he might find, you know, this is, you know, the biggest thing, and I wrote this, and obviously they settled the arbitration for the hearing, is that the way the Yankees have operated, to me, almost feels like they know something we don't know. Yeah, and, which
0: is usually the case. We later Which is usually that.
1: the case. And that could be as simple as, like, let's take Trout. Trout seems to have no interest in being in the thick of things, playing for a championship level team. You know, maybe at the end of his career, he'll say, okay, send me to Philly for the last, you know, two or three years. But yeah. he is, he seems to be perfectly fine with them just plodding along and collecting his money, you know.
0: Okay. He, w- he, w- he wants to play not necessarily win.
1: He wants – exactly. Maybe yeah. the Yankees have made a calculation that that's just not Aaron Judge. You know, they've made a decision that that's not Aaron Judge. And they know that when push comes to shove, if the Rangers, if the Cubs, if everyone comes in with this big money, he's never going to be able to just take the big payday or, you know, spite the Yankees for not you know, believing in him because they know he wants to win. And they know that he realizes that that, this is where he wants to be. On the other hand, maybe they feel that he just doesn't really want to be in New York and, this is just the situation where, or they feel that they can't control that—that that he's neutral about New York and that yeah. he might walk no matter what. So they might as well just do the best they can to look. I, I don't think it's a Cano situation where they want to finish a you know valiant second place. Yeah. I think it's one or the other. You know, it's kind of weird because if Degrom feels that way, as some people think, like we. New York could lose its two biggest stars. Yeah. Even though the, all the money in the world is there for them. Yeah. yeah well,
0: you've all, you also said, and now um, Cashman has never lost a guy he couldn't lose. And, yes. I've, and I've been using that line a lot in my Yankees group chats. Um, but when it, to, when it comes to Cano, if you look at, I, I wrote about this, you look at his numbers, you see he needed the Yankees stadium and the Yankees way more than they needed him. Just look mm-hmm. at his splits like across his career. And not just that, I remember from uh, right after the 2009 season after Melky Cabrera, who had been great in 09, I think had the most walk-off hits of uh, the entire season, he was unceremoniously traded to the Braves for Javier Vasquez. You said, oh, the uh, uh, Brian Cashman and the Yankees know something we don't know. I heard a rumor that the two of them had been going out a lot after games, and they were worried that Melky Cabrera was going to be an overall bad
1: influence. Mm-hmm.
0: So... Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, they, I don't think. I don't think Judge has that same problem. Obviously, no.
1: I I just think that. Look, I think they're going to resign him. I think they're going to give yeah. him a big deal. I think they'll probably meet in the middle. They'll they'll probably give him a year or two more than they want So to pop the big number.
0: Plus some opt outs.
1: Plus some opt outs. You know, I don't like you know. If, but I. But then again, it's like if the Yankees are just feel convinced that this guy wants to be in San Francisco even though it wouldn't make sense with them with stadium and everything. Right. But I do think there's a very good chance that they're going to get to a point where, and maybe correctly, they've read the market as the teams that, you know, the Dodgers, the giants, they're going to be thinking about Otani. They're going to be thinking about Soto and it's going to be come here yeah. or go to Texas and be a- be a rod who, you know, took them all the money in the world. And then two years later, was doing everything in his power to get traded to the Yankees to Red Sox.
0: Just, just imagine what the market is going to be for guys like Shohei Otani, who two way player, but you got to factor in, okay, how good of a hitter is he going to be from getting all that extra mile on his legs from pitching? Mm -hmm. Plus he's already had Tommy John. Juan Soto on the other hand, he's going to be 2526 when he hits free agency. And he's probably the most exciting outfield talent in baseball since Ken Griffey jr. Yes, And, and he's, I, I don't know, maybe he'll command a contract at or about half a billion dollars. We'll see how he does uh, over the next couple of years. But he's making $17 million this year. Then I don't see how the Nationals don't trade him before next season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, the mar- Aaron Judge is going to set the market to a certain extent. And then these two are just going to completely reset it a couple of years later.
1: Yeah. I mean, what fascinating about Soto is, like, I know that baseball is these big, and and it makes sense, but, like, these big long-term deals. But, like, if you want Soto, do you want to sign a 10-year, $500 million contract? Or are you even better, like, signing a three-year, $200 million contract and then taking the NFL, the Darrell Rivas approach of, I want to go to the market as much as humanly possible in my career to exponentially increase my earnings. I think that's going to be fascinating.
0: I think that also we in the future we're going to see a lot more guys going the Carlos Correa route of taking these short-term like big money contracts where you can opt out after a year or just like a yeah. one-year deal for a massive salary, just like you said uh to go the Darrell Rivas route. It's so strange because with these expanded playoffs, I think now you're going to see quite a bit of that like all, uh, a lot more of these short-term contracts, not just for the big stars but for I think everybody in general. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's yeah. the one way to, it's the one way to encourage mobility as Josh Donaldson hits a grand slam to dead center. Oh, wow. The That's poke. Yeah. Wow. He, oof man, he, he knew it too. Oof. Yeah. That was a big one. 429 feet.
1: That's anyway, a long what, way to what, hit a baseball. No, I was seven? just talking about what yeah. so, Soto and, and yeah. the contract and, you know, I, I, agree with you. Like the mobility, like, I think like the best thing that could happen to baseball is that Juan Soto stays in Washington.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know? it, it depends on, on what, what a pitching prospects they have coming up behind Cade Cavalli, who has yeah. not had a very good year so far, but his first year with, uh,
1: with the and, and I, I think Otani is fascinating to me because, you know, this is a guy who like clearly did not want the Yankees when he came from Japan, like, right you mentioned all the variables with Tommy John with, you know, that. And then also, you know, what market does he land in? You know, what's, what's the, what's that like for him? I think that's going to be fascinating too.
0: It's a home run
1: back to back. It's five, nothing now. Wow.
0: Yeah. But I I think you're right. I think that the bigger question with Otani is, okay, he's obviously going to command a lot of money. But where is he going to go? Because you just said yeah. he didn't want to go to the East Coast. He made it very clear when he came over from Japan, I'm only going to negotiate with West Coast teams. Oakland's not going to pay him. But like I don't think the Angels can pay him because they'd have to try to find someone to take on Anthony Rendon's contract. Padres might, but they're all tied yeah. up with Machado and, and uh, Tatis.
1: Yeah. And, and this, to bring that back, too, like, one of the things I've also thought about Trout is If you're a team like obviously the Phillies, but like other teams, like, do you even strategically think to yourself, what happens if the Angels decide they have to offload Trout or Trout says, I'm done with this? Do you not get in the judge sweepstakes because you also want to leave yourself open to the ability to absorb Trout's contract someday?
0: Yeah, that's why I
1: think it's also interesting.
0: It is interesting, but I think people are starting to become wise to Trout because, like Alec has said several times over, Trout cannot hit a high pitch. He cannot hit an inside pitch. Yeah, and he's really he's flimming really badly right now. When the Angels played the Yankees earlier this season, he I don't think he had an I think he had maybe one hit in the series. One the hit,
1: yeah, time. I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I uh, I don't know, man. It's going to be a real interesting uh, time to see how how. What happens with Judge? What happens with Otani? With soda with soda with the Gram even like it, it's yeah. What a time to be a baseball fan.
1: No, no doubt. Um, you know the Degrom thing's crazy too. Because like if he truly is a goner, and if he was healthy and Scherzer was healthy all year, and the Mets yeah. were in the same position they were in, would they have? Would there have been buzz? Would, could they trade Degrom in some sort of blockbuster deal? Obviously, you're, you're risking that he's going to then, you know, stick it up yours in, in the World Series or the NLCS at some point. But to, to have him just walk. Now, if they win the World Series and he walks, I don't think anyone's going to care. But if, if they fall short and then they lose him for nothing, he opts out after basically not pitching for two years. That's going to be tough.
0: Jacob DeGrom seems very much like someone who marches to the beat of his own drum. He's mm-hmm. arguably the best player in baseball. I think that him opting out is incredibly foolish. I think that he's got a great thing going on with the Mets. The only reason I can think of that he would want to opt out and actually want to leave is if he's just fed up with what's going on there with all the drama. Even, yeah. before, even before Steve Cohen. I mean, like, I, I mean sure. I, I've even said, I think I wrote something right before opening day like, okay, like, the Yankees are still the better team because, okay, Hal Steinbrenner isn't perfect, but guess what? He doesn't throw he doesn't throw little shit bits on Twitter when and he yes. just doesn't take a meeting with him. True. Excuse me. Like, he he's it a fan, true. but he's not, like, a fan fan. That, and I think yeah. that's going to – I'm not going to say it's going to be – Steve Cohen's going to be to the Mets' detriment, but at the same time, he's going to learn how to dial it back, like, literally this much.
1: Let's see, yeah. It's good. It's good for business. I have to, you know, every time he goes on Twitter, but, but you're right. I, I think that you will eventually, um, but I, I almost wonder, it's like, remember like when, when Hank, you know, the late Hank Steinbrenner was like, had a little bit more power in the beginning. Yeah. And was oh, wait, like his yeah. dad Just blasted off left and right. And then they kind of reeled him in. And obviously Hal stepped to the floor. Yeah. I wonder if that's what we see with Cohen, where it's like, people are going to look back fondly upon these candid days yeah. in a year or two.
0: I just, I just remember, oh, God, two, 2008, it's it's Hank, Hank and Hal's first year in charge. Hal's doing the more, like, front office stuff. Hank is going to be the one talking to the media. The Rays were actually surprisingly good that year, and Hank just had a complete meltdown after the Rays just destroyed the Yankees. And he was, like, on record in the media saying, like, we're going to get a good idea soon of how shit can turn around. And the Yankees, of course, didn't make the playoffs.
1: No, the Rays won the World Series that year, I believe. They did. It well, was my freshman year in college.
0: Yeah, I, I just graduated college. Jeez, in yeah. 2008. But then you read a Brian Hoke and Mark Feinstein's book, um, uh, Fortune 20. Uh, wait, something 27.
1: Mission 27. Mission
0: I think 27. Mission 27. Yes. Yeah, I, I should have known that. Uh, Yeah, Mission 27, apparently they decided between the 08 and and 09 seasons, okay, Hank's going to go deal with the stables down in Florida. He's going to deal with, like, the horse breeding. And all of a sudden, Hal, who's, like, always been more of a hotel guy, has never had any interest in being, like, a sports owner or based on the franchise. And then I I read this in Inside the Empire by uh, Bob Klavish and Paul Tolotharov. Apparently, George and Hank were getting kind of out of control, and the family kind of quietly needled Hal to come back.
1: And yeah, yeah. go ahead. It's so fascinating to me, like to to be an owner to have all that. You obviously have the means to own a professional sports team, yeah. And just like the different personalities you get, and it's and especially because like most of these owners are, they're billionaires. Billionaires, they're so in all sports, they're so disciplined, successful to get to where they are in life, yeah. But they yet they seem to lose all of that discipline. So many of them when it comes to the team you know if it was any other business they would just step back they'd let the the business people you know if it was a zero they were a paper company they let the paper people handle the paper but here they get you know it's like like it's always amazed me that like a guy like daniel snyder who's many issues probably not the best comparison yeah. He he loves his team so much like you think he would just be like okay like let me just step back for five years and then we're going to win the super bowl if i let these people do their jobs and how awesome is it gonna be that i won the super bowl like even like i got and like you kind of saw that like in the end mark cuban kind yeah. of was like okay like i can't be mark cuban anymore and he won a title
0: yeah, like I, I was actually just thinking about Mark Cuban as you were saying this because everyone remembers when he, he's like this little tech billionaire buys the Mavericks. He's sitting front and center every game like geez, yeah. he's like going crazy. But then just like you said, took a step back. Went did Shark Tank for a bit, put a suit on, let the Nelsons run the team, and they won a ring against LeBron in the Heat. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like Mark Cuban. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude.
1: He is. So a funny story. So I, I went to college with um did some time covering the Rangers. Right. And he said that like when people forget this, but like the Ra- Texas Rangers were on the auction block at, at one point. Yeah. And Mark Cuban was bidding was was one of the parties bidding to buy the texas rangers so like everyone was stuck at court for like 16 hours going through all these rounds of bidding and mark cuban ordered like a hundred pizzas to the courthouse (laughs) he said like only his people could eat the pizzas. (laughs) and they finally like nolan ryan's group like finally won the bid yeah, and like Mark Cuban suddenly was like, "Oh, I, I didn't actually want to buy the Rangers. I just wanted to bid the price up high enough that I knew that like these people were responsible enough to have the civic treasure." Like it, like it was Mark Cuban has helped them make this happen. I,
0: I mean, look how many times have the Yankees dipped their toe in to the free agency market just to drive up the price on a guy? That's true. Yeah,
1: this you know, applies to ownership claim. too. So. But, um, you know, by the way, like, obviously the Yankees playing the Red Sox right now. How weird is it that they played – I know Lockout had something. To do. It just feels like this schedule more than any year I can remember has been so disjointed in terms yeah. of, you know, the Yankees play the Red Sox early on. Like, usually there's like a, a whole – you know, early on and then there's nothing for months. It just feels so weird.
0: I guess they decided they wanted to stack up games against the Blue Jays and Rays this year because they figured – because they figured like those are going to be the bigger rivalry games. I mean, the, I you know, guess so. They were coordinated, Sports Illustrated coordinated the Blue Jays as the American League champions on opening day. And that's where they true. are now.
1: I know. That, it's, that just uh... goes,
0: it just goes to show about these Yankees. Like, yeah, they're, they're doing really well, but it's kind of like the bizarre version of last year, where last year it seemed like so many teams were playing well because the Yankees were underachieving so much. <laughs> And now this year, the Yankees are playing well because so much of the division is underachieving. I mean, the, yeah. uh, I mean Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, you look at the standings, they're basically cannibalizing themselves. Meanwhile, the mm-hmm. Yankees are pulling away up top. And Baltimore, like we discussed earlier, they're knocking on the, <laughs> on the, uh, the door of the cell. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, let us out.
1: Yeah, I was looking at it. I don't think the American League East has ever had all, f- you know, it was six back in the day. But I don't think it's ever had five teams finish 500 or better which is on the table, you know, yeah. I, I think, um, I forget what year it was, but there was on one year I think in the 80s where they had 200-win teams. You know, they've had four 90-win teams before. As of now, it looks like the, the Rays, Jays, and, and Red Sox are probably going to be in like the 87 to 90-win yeah. range. But if the Orioles could get to like 82 and 80, like that, that would be pretty significant.
0: Look, the Ruben odor effect on Baltimore is real because one because I've been to a couple of Yankees Orioles games this year, and now as Rafael Devers just golfs one out to make it five to two. Um, One thing I've been saying, I've been seeing about the Orioles this year is that, like, first off, Ruben odor he's injected some life into that clubhouse, much like he did with us last year. But also, these are these are hitters, and we've seen this with Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santan, there, especially Cedric Mullins is starting to find it again. The Orioles are seeing balls well up in the strike zone and they're making really good, hard contact with them. To the point where teams are kind of like, wait, these are the Orioles. We're supposed to beat up on these guys. And then I think it's
1: yeah.
0: up their game plan. Cut to the Orioles being five under 500.
1: I know. And, July. It's, it's so, and it's so good. Like that's a city that deserves to have a good baseball team. Yeah. That's a team, you know. Um,
0: it's just... <laughs> so, sorry, the Red Sox are like doing the thing where they're giving guys rides in the equipment guard again after a home run.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. And like, and Devers was just in there, like looking like he was about to give birth, just getting high fives all around while they're going to
1: ride. Garrett Cole, I mean, that, that's going to be, a, even if they win the game, like that's going to potentially be the narrative coming out of this game. Garrett Cole gets a five run lead
0: and then gives Very... up a. Two out so home two, run.
1: Two out, two run home run. Yeah,
0: yeah. But you were saying about Baltimore, it's a great city with great people, which it is.
1: Great, exactly. Great city. Traditional. I mean, when there was that whole rumor about, yeah, it seems like it's not true that you know one of the Angelos brothers want to move the team to Nashville. Yeah. I part of my thought was like, would they even be better off? Like in some sort of like negotiated Cleveland Brown style thing where baseball said, okay, you can move to Nashville in 2028. And we're just going to slide the Baltimore Orioles expansion franchise right <laughs> in and have new owners, new, everything fresh start, keep the history, keep the, cause I really hope that when they expand inevitably to 32, yeah, it's 16 and 16 and we can, do away with interleague play. I am tired of interleague play.
0: I mean, we're kind of doing away with it starting next year, because uh, starting next year, everyone plays each other at least, I think, two games. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll, I'll say this much about Baltimore. Their ownership has a lot of goodwill to reap back with the fans, because I'm friends with the son of a fairly significant Orioles player who okay. had some really good years with the team, could arguably be called a franchise legend in some circles, and to this day, the, the relationship between him and the team and the franchise, it's, it, it's, I don't want to say the term non existent, but it's not very good.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's just, that's, and you know, it's like, it's like basic blocking and tackling. Mm-hmm. And you really wonder, like, how these billion dollar operations just can't, you know, in many ways, I, I've written this before. So this, like, they're like billion dollar lemonade stands. Like, if people actually got under the hood, they would be stunned. About how badly some of these operations, these franchises are, running.
0: especially when when like it's someone who was on two World Series teams, too. yeah, and and like like I said, was a very good player in their day. I think fin- I think was, was made a couple All Star games, finished the, like in the top three MVP voting one year. Just someone who has such a deep and meaningful connection to the franchise, and now you can't even call him to come on TV for a little bit, or won't
1: even. Yeah, it's it's nuts.
0: Yeah, and and this is someone still lives in Baltimore. Still has the house there. Still calls the Charm City home. No relationship with the team that helped them that he was a household yes. name for. Yes. Not good. Real not, really not good. All right, did we uh, did we cover everything? Yeah, I think we did.
1: I think so. so I'm curious what you think at this point in time. Okay. I think everyone assumes Yankees and Astros ALCS. Who would you want to see in the ALDS if you were the New York Yankees?
0: Twins, of course.
1: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> the twins.
0: No, like the, the, the Twins are any or any Central team, honestly, just because like as good as they are. Now I'm saying this as someone who loves watching the Twins, loves watching uh, the Guardians, just be, just for Byron Buxton and Jose Ramirez alone. It's such a bad division. Like how how many it really how, is how long, how long ago was it where the where uh, the Ven Indians won 25 games in a row end of the year? People were saying, oh, like. They're the World Series champions. They're the team to beat. Okay, they go up two-zip on the Yankees. All right, game one, Corey Kluber, boom, shuts the team down. Two, uh, Joe Girardi doesn't challenge a hit-by-pitch. Francisco Lindor hits the grand slam. The Yankees blow the game. Then, oh, Greg Bird, Masahiro Tanaka pitches well. And then Didi Gregorius hits two home runs game five. They're beatable teams. Yeah. I even think the Astros are beatable. I mean, I wrote about this. If you look at what they've been doing all year, they, they're beating teams. They're not beating up on teams. They have become a traditional, really patient, I'd say hyper-patient, three true outcomes uh, in terms of drawing walks, hitting home runs, and striking out with very little in between. And the difference is, whereas the Yankees tried too hard to do it last year, the Astros, they're like, no, no, no we're going to take a deep breath and actually wait for the pitch this year. Yeah, Look at the Yankee series. Every game they won, Okay, they had a couple of big swings, but they didn't they, – they found their base hits, but they, they didn't – they very rarely capitalized because of a string of base mm-hmm. hits. They, drew, they waited to draw walks or, like, got on an error and then one big swing, sometimes yeah. even
1: late in the game. Who? All right, so let's say Guardians get hot – or White Sox find themselves get hot. Sure. If, who would you want to see them squeeze out of the three AL East teams out of the sixth wild card number spot? Sorry, say that again. Like which of the three AL East teams, if you're the Yankees, yeah. which one do you not want to get the last wild card? You'd rather see the Guardians, the um, White Sox sneak in there.
0: I, As much as well as we played against them this year, I don't want to see the race. Just no. because like that, that means potentially – it would be a wild card game, so it would be a Yankee Stadium. But there's – you know how every championship team, they have that one opponent that just brings out the worst in them? The Yankees Yankees for years, it was the Angels. I feel that's the Rays this year, just because, I mean, Alec and I have discussed just how they use their bullpen. You never know who's going to come out at any point. Like, facing the Yankees, you know, okay, they're going to get five, six innings out of the guy, then you'll see Miguel Castro, then Juan de Peralta, then you'll maybe have, um, uh, what's-his-face, Ron Marinaccio, come in to set up, and then Clay Holmes is going to close. Whereas the Rays, it's like, okay, you have two guys who share the closer duties and if they're having a bullpen day spin the wheel it's like there's no way to determine who they're going to bring in or out until they actually bring in a pitcher
1: yeah it's so funny so i just want to like the new playoff format is wild card games three games all at the higher seeds stadium
0: and the higher seed i think it's to pick their opponent
1: so yeah, stupid see i've always said this like i'm totally cool with the with the best of three wild card series i've always said that games two and three it should be a double header and game two has to start like 30 minutes after the complete game three has to start 30 minutes after the completion of game two
0: and i'll yeah i remember and i know i've mentioned this in the group chat i've been saying yeah. look split games one and four one through four of the world series
1: two and two then five six seven are all in neutral site I'm not, I'm not on board with that one just cuz I feel like it just it, it just it would ca- kind of like change the series dramatically in the middle but also like you want that October baseball feel.
0: I don't know, I just think, I just think it'd be a cool thing to do. Especially especially if there's a lot of travel involved with the first two gate with the first two uh, Yeah, no two that,
1: that that is that is fair. I mean, I also think it would be kind of cool if it was like uh, I'm trying to think like I mean if it was like something in the middle like if it was Yankees Padres or something. Yeah. And they said, we're going to play four through seven at Wrigley Field. Like, they wouldn't do that because of the cold and the weather, obviously. Right. That yeah. would be kind of cool. Um, yeah.
0: Or, but, yeah. or like going to, uh, we'll say Houston just for laughs. Exactly. Houston. Yeah.
1: Texas. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this this new postseason system could be fine. I also think that it could end up being really a downer if, you just have two nothing, two nothing. You have you know clubbing, basically you know, and then with the division champion, all of the central's not going to have that. But
0: honestly, it's going to depend on in the next few years because with this new CBA, it's going to depend on which of the smaller market teams go that extra mile in spending to yeah. try to try and like add that one last piece because. Yeah, the expanded playoffs could be really cool, but then if it just becomes like a cycle of, okay, like these are the division winners and then these are like the the, – I agree, yeah. Then it's going to be watered down and it's not going to look
1: as good. No, I think you're right. It could could become a a, a system where basically it keeps the San Francisco Giants and the Cardinals like perpetually in the playoffs, even if they're not even that good every year. It could become that, which would – be good for tv ratings but not necessarily good for the sport
0: either way it's been a very fun season hopefully it continues to be a fun season the yankees playing really well in this season over against fenway uh james thanks for coming on the show
1: anytime josh thanks for having me
0: yeah you can find uh us on uh spotify and apple you can find me on twitter at josh besny uh you want to give out your socials james
1: just at james cratch and uh, obviously at elite sports ny
0: Yeah. Give us a read. Give us a listen. And thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy the game.